0: And every believer in every church has a threefold ministry. First, of course, our ministry is to the Lord. Second, our ministry is to the saints. And thirdly, our ministry is to the world. In Acts chapter 13, we saw that as they ministered to the Lord first and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul so they can fulfill the ministry where I've called them and they laid hands on them. So they ministered to the Lord first laid hands on them, and then they went out into the world and ministered to the people of the world. Every single one of us here has a ministry. We're all ministers and have ministries. The ministry is that of reconciliation, to make it known to the world that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So that means every one of us has a threefold ministry, to the Lord first, to the body of Christ, and then also to people that are out there in the world. To be most effective, we said, to minister to the saints and also to the world We need to be effective in ministering to the Father, to the Lord first. And I believe the more we do so, the more empowered and enabled we are to be effective in ministering to the world and to the church. Okay, true worship is part of ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord involves true worship. It involves also praise and waiting on God, you know, meditating in His Word and all that. But as we continue our study, I want you to go back with me to Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. And share some thoughts with us that will help us be better prepared to experience what God wants to do among us. Individually and collectively as a church body. Are you ready for that? You ready for the challenge? All right. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men okay lord true worship has got to come from a heart that has a love for god's laws his commandments and is devoted to him and carrying out his purposes in the earth it's a heart that's devoted to him devoted to his word devoted to his laws devoted to his commandments and lives his life accordingly or her life accordingly. Well, Jesus wasn't happy with these individuals because they were saying they loved God. They were saying they praised him and thanked him. But yet Jesus said that was lip service, not heart devotion. He says, they're honoring me with their lips from an outward appearance it looks like as though that they are the most devoted individuals on the planet, but yet hmm, their hearts are far removed from me. And that's going to be the basis, you know, for our teaching. So let's look at the first two verses of this same chapter because we've got to put it all together in context. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying... Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Shame on them. Shame, shame, shame. They ate without washing their hands. Of course, this was a ceremonial washing of their hands that they were referring to. You see, they were coming across like as though we're the right ones, we're the holy ones. We keep the traditions of the Father of the elders rather and we see now that you don't but i want to show you to what depth jesus was facing persecution from these scribes and pharisees and so i put this together for us to look at john gill if you go to his commentary you can go online and pull up john gill commentary of the bible he has a statement there written from the rabbinical writings which include these statements Now, remind you let me remind you when i read these these are coming from him these are these statements that come from the rabbinical writings my son attend to the words of the scribes more than the words of the law did you hear that should we repeat that attend to the words of the scribes more than than the words of the law in other words exalt the traditions of men above the word of god when i left my denominational church i went to the minister and asked the question why do we do this when the bible says that why do we do this when the bible says that finally why do we do this when the bible says that and finally he just corralled me in and just said look you are to obey church doctrine above that book That was, exact words, that was written by a man, this is church doctrine and you respect us. I respectfully left the church. <laughs> Think about that. Now, they thought they really had him. Let's read on and you'll see just how intense this gets. Everyone that transgresses the words of the scribes is guilty of death. Whoever eats bread without washing of hands is as if he lay with a whore. Whew, pretty strong. Whoever despiseth washing of hands shall be rooted out of the world. He that blesseth food with defound hands is guilty of death. And then a man by the name of Eleazar Ben-Shanak was excommunicated for despising the tradition concerning washing of hands, and when he died, the Sanhedrin said a... They sent and put a great stone upon his coffin. To show he died in his excommunication, the Sanhedrin stoned his coffin. Can you even think of such a thing? They stoned his coffin because he didn't participate in the washing of hands before he ate. Hmm. You see what Jesus was facing? Why do you think they went to him with this? They wanted to kill him and his disciples. They wanted to catch them in transgressing, transgressing the commandment or the tradition of the elders. And so therefore, Jesus, you and your disciples ought to be put to death. That's what ought to happen to you. Of course i don't think it got jesus upset or nervous at all because you look at verse three but he answered and said unto them he answers their question with a question why do you also transgress the commandment of god by your tradition how about that for an answer you are accusing us of transgressing the tradition of the elders While you are transgressing the command and laws of God. is what he says to them. See, they thought they had him. You're not going to get Jesus. Look at what the next two verses say. He wanted to know what possessed them to violate the laws of God. Then he gives them the law. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whoever shall say to his father or mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now, that's not too meaningful unless you understand the tradition. The tradition, if you go back to the book of Mark, it says Corban. Corban is the terminology that was used to explain this particular thing. What they did was to get around the commandment of God, they established that the people could offer as a gift to the treasury of the temple their possessions. That, therefore... If an elderly parent or an aged parent had a need for something and they went to their son and said, we have need. We need food. We need clothing. We need this. We need that. They would just say, I'm sorry. It's been all that we have has been given designated for the treasury of the temple as a gift. Well, guess what? They weren't obligated to fulfill that. They can still use their means for themselves And their own particular needs. And then, of course, at some point, if they wanted to, they could give whatever they had their estate to the temple and the treasury. While their mother and father are in need, and they turn their back on them. So here's what they were saying You ought to die because you don't wash your hands. Really. Jesus said, You ought to die because you don't honor your parents. The one that should be put to death is you and not me or my disciples. You're violating the higher law of God. And besides, your tradition is meaningless. Who do you think you are to exalt your traditions above the commandments and the laws of God? Doesn't the tradition of men make the word of God of, of none effect? Isn't that what Jesus said? You see how it was making the word of God of none effect? They bypassed the word of God. They did what they wanted to do. They kept their money. They designated it to the, to the temple treasury. And they ignore their aging parents. No obligation whatsoever. So now the word of God is ineffective. They could do what they want. Live what they want. How they want. Spend their money as they want. No obligation whatsoever. So, look at the next word in verse 7 that Jesus, hmm, you lovely fellows, you sweet people, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Hmm. All right. He's saying, look, you pray publicly. You pray in the streets. You pray in the temple. You praise. You offer sacrifices. You worship. And man, you look good on the outside. You look so devoted. You look so... uh, sanctified and set apart and so holy from the outward appearance and people see you. Man, look at how wonderful they are. All that on the outside, the outward appearance means nothing to God if it's not engaging the heart. And he said, you know what? You can honor me all you want with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. That's not the heart of God to ignore your aging parents, is it? Not at all. And, oh, he wasn't happy with them. As a matter of fact, even though they seemed sincere outwardly, they were insincere inwardly. Look at the next few verses. I had to throw this in here tonight. Look at these next few verses from 10 to 14. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended After they heard this saying, oh, don't you feel bad for them? We feel so bad for those Pharisees and those Sadducees. And, but he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be what? Rooted up. What did they, what was their tradition? What did they say? If you don't follow the tradition of the scribes and listen to what they're saying, they should be rooted out of the world. And what does Jesus say about them? They need to be rooted up. And root it out. And look at the next line. Let them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. (laughs) How about that? Let them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. And if if the blind lead the blind. Both shall fall into the ditch. Whatever ditch they're in. They'll fall in the same ditch with him, which is why it's so important for us to know we need to walk down the straight and narrow, walk on the right path. There's a ditch on either side of the road. Stay away from the ditches. Stay balanced in the word of God and the things of God and walk down that narrow path with the Lord. And so he wasn't concerned about them. He said, look, they need to be rooted out because anyone that follows them going to fall into the ditch with them. They're blind and they're leading the blind into the blind ditch. They don't even know they're falling into it. It's deception that comes from the enemy. Well, he had a few more choice words. And these are some of the powerful words in this chapter. chapter, You should read chapter 23 of Matthew. Look at what it says here. Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He didn't hold back anything. Hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. What a statement. Looks beautiful on the outside, but you are so dead on the inside, it's unbelievable. You know what that should tell us? Outward things, works and all that. Anybody can go through the motions of anything. That's not what counts. What counts is what's coming out of here. God wants to prepare us, I do believe, for even a greater move by His Spirit. And you nobody know wants us all to do? Look within ourselves. Get alone. Minister to the Lord. Wait on God individually and collectively as a church body. And let's examine our own hearts and lives and answer certain questions for ourselves. When I worship God. Is that coming from my heart? Or am I just doing things externally? Just because maybe a worship leader says to lift up your hand, you lift up your hand. No, you know what I believe with all my heart? A worship leader shouldn't have to say a word from this pulpit. And I'm not just saying here, any pulpit. Not a word. I believe that God wants his people to come ready. Stoked. Fired up, in touch, in tune, in surrender, coming together. We walk in this place and we all catch fire. God, we want you. We want you. We long for you, your presence, your power. We want your spirit alive, your glory in manifestation touching hearts, doing what only you can, penetrating very slowly. You know, you preach the word, but that word empowered by the Spirit's got to enter into a heart and absolutely produce life. It changes us if we'll surrender to it. So in other words, we could awaken in our own individual lives. And then can you imagine when we all come together with that same outward flow of divine love for God, and desire to minister to him and truly worship him in spirit and in truth as he wants to be worshiped. Can you imagine when he's unhindered? And he is allowed to manifest his glory because hearts are hungry and hearts are thirsty. We don't want empty confessions of faith, words that produce nothing. We want to see the end result, praise God, where God shows up and God shows off and God manifests himself among us. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So let's move on about the heart. You see, it's all about the heart. He says, you can honor me with your lips all you want. But man, if your heart is not devoted to my laws and my commandments, which by the way, is really what demonstrates your love for me. Because didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Didn't he say that? So what I'm talking about is making certain that each of us does our own personal examination of ourselves and, and really answer the questions. You know, my life on the outside, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Is it coming from a heart devoted to God in surrender to God out of deep love for God? My service to the Lord is not just going to church and then going home. And that's all there is to it. I am truly searching my heart to determine, am I putting him first in every area of my life as an individual? as a husband or wife as a father or mother as a member of a church body as an employee or employer am i really doing what he's told me to do these are priorities that god has given us order priorities god first spouse second children third in that order that's God's order of priorities, and then from there you can go on to your church, you can go on to your profession, etc., your workplace, but the whole idea is this, we don't detach from God just because we went off to work today. We don't detach from God just because we went home today from work, and all of a sudden we forget everything and we just do what we ever want to do, live the way we want to live. No, 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 we want God to manifest in us. As a matter of fact, it's in that place called the home that we should be more Christ-like than any other place. Because when you're that Christ-like at home, when you come to church, look out. The church is going to explode. Amen. Amen. First Samuel 16, verse 7. Because God is looking, where? Inwardly. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as a man seeth. For a man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He's looking upon the hearts of people everywhere by his spirit. His eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are what upright before him. See, if we want to see things happen on the outside, something has to happen on the inside with the heart says, you know what? If something's not happening, I'm not going to put the blame on you, Lord. If something's not happening, I'm going to look at myself, and I'm going to make some changes in my life. You just, by your spirit, lead me directly, guide me, show me what I need to do to make corrections in my life, because I don't want this conduit of your power to be plugged up and the power flow stopped. I want to be so consecrated, so dedicated, so set apart, so surrendered to you that I become a conduit. For your love, for your power, for your might to flow from me into the body of Christ and into the world. First in my home where I live and then beyond the four walls of my house everywhere I go and all that I do. As a matter of fact, man sees the visible, but God sees the inward. Right? Look at Acts chapter 13 because this is what he said about David. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them, he removed Saul, David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Did you get that? He was looking at the integrity of his heart. He was looking at a young man who he saw as of great stature within, no matter how old he was, without. It wasn't the physical that attracted him to the Lord. It was this inward man of the heart that attracted him to the Lord. And when the Lord went by all the other sons of Jesse, he said, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. And he finally found David out there in the field. He came into the house and he said, that's the one. I'm not looking at his size, his stature. I'm not looking at the color of his hair, of his eyes. I am looking at his heart. He is an individual of integrity. He's one who has committed himself to knowing me. His longing desire within his heart is to walk with me. As a matter of fact, I've watched him. I've watched him out there watching the sheep. I've watched him how he acted. I watched the integrity of his heart. I saw him go after the lion and the bear. And I had to act quickly because the bear would have killed him. And so would the lion. But he trusted in me. I know he's devoted to me. I know he trusts in me. And I know he's faithful to me. And notice, he will fulfill my will. What's a heart that God loves? Someone that says, I'm yours. Lead me to the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right heart. So I can fulfill your will, Father. Everywhere I go. And that's what he saw in David. So his focus was on his character, not his outward appearance. Look at the next verse we pulled up. Proverbs four twenty three. Very important right here. Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life or the forces of life, the source of life. So keep your heart, how? With all diligence. The heart needs to be protected diligently. And why does it need to be protected diligently? Ask King David, the man after God's own heart that succumbed to temptation. Who committed adultery with Bathsheba. Who then killed her husband Uriah. And then married her. Had their baby. Covered it up. And went about life? Like as if there's nothing wrong here. There's nothing wrong here. Until Nathan came along and exposed his hypocrisy. And said, "Uh uh-uh. Why am I bringing this out? Because no matter where you were... It doesn't mean you're going to be there down the road unless you do something to keep yourself on that road and don't get distracted by the world, the devil, the flesh, and everything that's out there to distract us and destroy us. So it doesn't matter who we are. We can all be distracted. We can all be deceived if we neglect to do what? Diligently protect the heart. From all the evil influences that are out there in the world. Look at Second Timothy chapter four. This is Demas. For Demas had forsaken me. This is Paul speaking, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So what is he saying about Demas? He had a change of heart. You know, we've seen it happen. People that are on fire, gung ho for the Lord initially and then maybe three four five years down the road it seems like the fire has gone out and we're trying to stoke the fire ourselves by saying come on lift up your hands come on worship come on do this no no it's that's not what it's about no 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 it's a matter of the heart that is what it's about why have i or like david gone from here to here Is because I didn't protect the most valuable thing I have, my heart, my spiritual condition. We're living in a world of ugly influences. We're living in a culture right now when they're calling good evil and evil good. Can you say amen to that? We're living in a culture right now that wants to be so politically correct that you can't even say a baby is a boy or a girl. Until they're old enough to identify their gender. And guess what? Many intelligent people believe that's the right thing to do. It's almost mindless, isn't it? Rather than identifying it as something that needs to be done to help these people mentally. Because it's probably a situation where they need some help emotionally. No, we just want to say, go do what you want. Live the way you live. You are who you say you are. That's playing right to the hands of the devil. So, we need to protect our heart from strife, from pride. I listed some things here self pity, guilt, condemnation, selfishness, low self esteem, bad attitudes, becoming callous and hardened by sin, unbelief, and the list is endless. It goes on and on and on. Sin consciousness, condemnation. See, these are things that debilitate the person spiritually. And what they end up doing is just basically cowering away from God in fear or sin consciousness or, or inferiority and that sort of thing. But God says, no, 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 no. Get under the blood. Whatever it is, get it under the blood and come to my throne and find grace, find mercy to help in time of your need. Those two things are available at the throne of God right now for all of us. He never said that we're going to be perfect he knew we we're going to have to have forgiveness, which is why the blood of Jesus offers endless mercy. So just get it under the blood and get it right with God. Get the heart right with God. So, so you see, if, if we listen to the world around us, we could be like a David. And just begin to, on the inside, deteriorate spiritually. You know, strife, unforgiveness, and all those different things that hold us in captivity. He'll attack marriages. He'll attack families to try to destroy them. You know what people got to do? Exalt the word of God above their feelings and emotions. Exalt the word of God from the integrity of their heart and say, we made a commitment to one another and we are going to obey God. Exalt God's word above what the world says. This is what you need to do. Do it God's way. Look at Psalm 111 verse 1. And then Psalm 138. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. We could just rest there for a while. With my what? Do you know you can tell someone to stand up and clap and that doesn't mean a thing? Even if they stand up and clap. I'm standing up and clapping, but I'm sitting down on the inside. Am I right? Absolutely. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, notice he said, I will. I will with my whole heart. But I don't feel like it. I know that neither do i but i will i will it's a decision of my will i will from my heart with my whole heart worship god in the assembly of the upright oh can you see if we all came with that attitude of heart and mind where are you going i'm going somewhere i'm so excited i can't wait to get there where are you going you have no understanding. You have no idea where I'm going. I'm going to have the time of my life tonight. Where are you going? You're going to a movie. Oh, where are you going? Out to an event. You're going to a concert. No, I'm going to church. Where are you going? I'm going to church. And you're going to have a great time? You're probably talking to someone that says, oh, I used to hate going to church. And those are so boring. Well, it's not boring if you go to meet God. Can you say, man, it's not boring if you go to meet God. I'm going to meet God. I mean, I'm going to meet God. I'm purposing my heart that when I, even on the way, I'm going to talk to him. But when I get there, even more so, I am going to meet with God. I'm going to love on him. And he said, if I would praise him, he would inhabit my praises, which means he will manifest himself to me. So hallelujah, I'm going there to meet with God. Genuine worship is not what one does outwardly. It's what one does inwardly. Look at Psalm 138 verses 1 and 2. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. Before the what? Are there any other gods? Are there any other gods? There are no other gods. There's only one God, the living God, the only God, the wonderful God that we serve. The almighty God, the everlasting God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will sing praise unto thee. In other words, in the face of all those that call these things God, I will worship the living God, the only God, the most high God, the all-powerful God. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, because I know him. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. We are to trust him with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him and he shall and he will direct our path. Do we want direction? Do we want guidance through life? What do we have to do? Exalt his word above our reasoning. Trust him from the heart. You say, but it doesn't make any sense. It wasn't supposed to. It wasn't. Go watch the pool of Siloam. But I can't see. But I put clay on your eyes. I still can't see. How am I going to get there? Just go wash in the pool of Siloam. It makes no sense, Lord. Stop reasoning. Stop arguing. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Trust me from your heart. And guess what? He came back seeing. Go dip in a river seven times. What? I brought you between 1 and 2.6 million dollars. And you tell me to go dip in a river seven times. I got clean waters where I come from. Better than those muddy waters over here. Are you kidding me? Stop reasoning. Go wash seven times. Trust the Lord with your heart. Don't allow your reasoning. My reasoning to override what God said to do. Oh praise God. And what happens? He comes out of the water with no leprosy. Look at Romans 10 and verse 10. So we trust from the heart. We worship from the heart. Now we believe from the heart. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. How did you get saved? I believed unto righteousness. You what? Did you do something that I could do to get saved? I believed unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So from my heart I believe with my mouth I confess. And guess what? It resulted in salvation. My salvation is not based on anything that I have done or could ever do. But my salvation and so is yours based on one thing. The finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And you accepted it. You embraced it. You believed it. You proclaimed it. And praise God it happened. Now. Look at Acts chapter 8, 36 and 37. This is the eunuch. And as he was talking to Philip as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, "See here is water; what doth hinder me from to be baptized?" Philip said, "If you give it a half-hearted attempt, no, but if you believe with all your heart, you may." And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Guess what? The moment those words came out of his mouth, he got saved. And then he got baptized in water. Look at Jeremiah 29. So important here. Anybody want to find him? And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Hmm. Got to throw the whole heart into it. Look at the 24 and 7. And I will give them a heart to know me. Good scripture to write down. I want a heart to know you. That I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their what? Whole heart. God wants our whole heart. Are you getting that? Give me your whole heart. You want to find me? Give me your whole heart. Now this one, some of you parents out there, you get ready to shout. Get ready to shout. Are you ready to shout? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of your seed to love the Lord your God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Did you notice and with your seed? Boy, you take take a promise of God, you get that verse right there and just say, I see my seed serving the Lord with a whole heart. Amen. With a heart that loves God. Praise God. So the goal, you see, the the, the key to seeking is to seek how, with a whole heart. The goal is to find what you're seeking. The effect is your heart is touched and so is the heart of your seed. The heart of your children or child. I like that, don't you? Do we want to see these results? I mean these glorious results in our lives and our children's lives if we do hear all the promises of God. But what's it require from us? No hypocrisy. No. I want my heart to serve you faithfully in complete surrender to do your will. Look at Psalm 51 in verse 10. And this is David once again. After David messed up. Okay. You know his story. And he messed up. He was repentant. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, it's very easy for Christians to get bitter, unforgiving, full of doubt, criticism, and the list goes on and on. Because all these outside influences are really wanting to get to the heart through the soul. The unrenewed mind. You realize that anger give no place to the devil, no territory, no entry points, no opportunities for the devil to get in by allowing anger to lead you into sin. So here he's letting us know that it's important that if we find certain things in us that need to be dealt with, then deal with them and go to God like David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. There's something wrong with my spiritual motivation. Maybe I can't put my finger on it. But you know what, Lord? I know you can. Man, what is that something I need to adjust in my life? Because you know what? It's not you. It's not you at all. I don't want to just be one that just floats through life without being challenged to change. I want more of you and less of me and i know that this is what it takes notice how jesus defined hypocrisy which is why i wrote this you know first of all only god can change the heart right right you can't change someone else's heart i know you would like to mhm right you can't tell me there were times where you just probably got before your bed knelt down and just said lord is there something you can provide for me so I can open up their heads and throw some information in when they go to sleep tonight, and then close it back up without them ever knowing that I did it? Right? Sure, we've all been there before. According to Jesus, to exalt the traditions and doctrines of men above the commandments of God and act as though we love God and worship God is called what? Hypocrisy. Wait, wait a minute, you've got to see this. They've got on their robes. They get all the bells and whistles, and they walk through the streets real pious, and all eyes fasten on them when they walk by, and they look so good. They stop by the prayer wall and they pray. They go into the temple and they pray and they praise and they worship. And oh, from all outward appearances, it's like these are the most holy men on the planet. Oh, my goodness, to be like one of them, these younger ones are saying. This is my goal, to be a scribe, to be a Pharisee, to be a Sadducee, to take my place on the court among the men. And Jesus says, they're all hypocrites. Don't look at the outward. Look at the inward like I do. They need rooted out. They're influencing the blind to go down with them. To eternal separation from God. Don't be among them. Let the light come in. And change them. To worship with our lips when our hearts are far from God. You know what? I'll tell you what. I don't know about you, but every one of us can be guilty of this. Would you agree with that? Did you ever just found yourself just like you're starting to praise and worship God and all of a sudden your mind is in your kitchen? You're actually sorting the laundry in the laundry room. And all of a sudden, you get quickened. And you're, oh, 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 oh yeah, yes, Lord, I love you. I just love you. Distractions are out there. The mind, you know how it wanders and how it works. This rapid-paced society that we live in advise for our attention it is a discipline to say when i go to church tonight i am going to be a participant i am going to prepare myself when i leave my house when i get in my car I am going to say, praise God, I am going there exclusively to give my God all the attention he deserves from me. I am going to worship him in spirit. I am going to worship him in truth. No one's going to have to tell me to raise my hand. I will raise my hand if I want to. If I am so moved by my spirit, if need be, I will get on my knees. I wrote an article from a Baptist minister. He was writing writing this article for the church that he was in. He said, you know, We Baptists look down sometimes on some of these charismatics for all the gymnastics that they go through in praise and worship. But you know what? He said, "Um, I've been reading my Bible, and I find out everything that they do is all biblical. So here we are, these Baptist people, and here we are. We look at someone, if they were to stand up and lift up their hands like, what planet did you fall from? Where did you come from? And he said, I challenge you. What if someone in our church service came up and knelt down or prostrated themselves on the ground? What would you do? Would you criticize them? Would you poke fun of them? Would you mock them? Would you say this, that, or the other thing? He said, every one of those things are in the Bible. I'm not saying you should do it because someone else did it. But I'm saying if someone was driven to do it because of their love for God and their desire to worship God the way the Bible says to, then don't criticize what they're doing. I could agree to that. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's close with this verse of scripture in Matthew 5, 21 to show really what we're talking about here. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But now notice I say unto you, in other words, Jesus said, the law said this, but I'm fulfilling the law and I'm going to say this. My challenge is going to be beyond the law. Above the law. I'm going to raise the bar higher. I said to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever shall say to his brother Rechah shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool is in danger of hellfire. Therefore. Well therefore what Lord? Based on all that he just said. If you bring your gift to the altar. And there rememberest that thy brother had off against thee. Oh, just go ahead and worship at the altar with your gift. Just, just, Just go on about your own business. No. Leave the gift before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Why? Why is he saying that? Because if not, that would be considered hypocrisy as far as he's concerned. He says, how can you love God who you've not seen when you can't love your brother who you see? You know, it's a decision of the will. I'm not holding animosity against anyone. Betterness, unforgiveness. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what anyone did. Nothing matters what they did. You've been forgiven a debt you could never pay. And we're to forgive any debt that anybody is indebted to us to for, right? So I don't have it right to hold anything against anyone. So if I'm going to come here and lift up my hands and worship God, I want to do so with a clean, pure, whole heart. What about you? Are we going to be prepared for what God wants to do? Amen. Pass it on. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Pass it on.